0: I don't know um, if you heard about the preacher who was once given a thesaurus for his birthday. But the next Sunday, he began his sermon saying something like this. Today, I would like to preach, admonish, edify, enlighten, exhort, instruct you. Well, I'd like to sermonize about the Lord, our God, our creator, our king, the eternal one. His normal half hour sermons went for about three to four hours the next time. (laughs) What if we gather as Christians together And we all had a thesaurus and we were told, how would you describe God? What descriptions would you give to describe who the Lord is? So if you had your your bulletin, a pen, you need to write down a list of descriptions about how you would talk about God. How long would your list be? You have a lot of things come to your mind. A lot of ideas, a lot of attributes you think of, a lot of what God has done. Probably some Bible verses. A.W. Tozer once said this, that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Now, go back to your list that that you just made, right? I wonder on how many of our lists would include that God is holy. I think sadly, God's holiness would probably maybe not make our top three Maybe, maybe not even our top 10. And that should be concerning for us. Because the scriptures, if you've read your Bible, even you, 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 just in the Old Testament, but especially even in the New, it's emphasized a lot as well. But the Old especially, is the Bible goes almost out of its way to make it very clear that God is holy. I mean, it's over and over and over again. The Bible goes, makes it, it wants to just highlight it, wants to put it in bold font, underline it, that God is holy. In the book of Isaiah, the Lord speaks of holiness about 56 times, many of them in reference to himself and how His people should be. We just read Isaiah 6 this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Sadly, what the Bible emphasizes most, uh, we often emphasize least. And I believe that this is telling us what Christianity oftentimes in America is like is we forget who God is. And there's a, a big book of systematic theology by na- a man named Louis Burkoff, And he wrote this. This is a helpful quote. I hope, hope you'll hear this well. It does not seem proper to speak of one attribute of God as being more central or more fundamental than another. So it doesn't. But if this were permissible, the scriptural emph- emphasis on the holiness of God would seem to justify it. So w- what that means is it's not right to say, well, God is 90% love, like 2% holiness, three percent like that that, that's not right he's fully all his attributes right but if you could say what which one does the bible emphasize the most it seems to be holiness okay that's what that's what the quote is saying and perhaps you think this is irrelevant because maybe our standard of holiness is just fine or maybe because we know that god is love Holiness isn't really crucial because after all, God is loving. So holiness is kind of just like, he, he just does, but he's also very loving, which is true. But Hebrews twelve fourteen says this, that without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. So our interest in holiness should be piqued, right? If we don't have that, we can't even see him. We can't go to him. We can't know him, right? It matters more than we could think. Or perhaps as, as a Christian, you're just thinking that holiness is a distinguishing mark between you and the world. As people of the Lord, we must be otherly, right? We must be in the world, but not of the world, right? That means we're holy, we're distinct, we're different. Uh, it's being holy is kind of like the ring finger of the Christian life. How you know someone's married? Well, typically you see a ring on their finger, right? Well, how do you know that they're a Christian? Well, typically they live distinct. They're, there's a different life that they live, right? And today in First John chapter 1, uh, these two verses here, uh, three, John gives us three essential descriptions of holiness to assure us of eternal life. So I want you to see three descriptions of holiness to give you assurance. Starting in verse five, first, holiness is essential to the nature of God. I want you to see two things briefly about this. Number one, The first thing is that the prominence of God's holiness. Look at verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. So what John is saying is all the teaching we've heard from Jesus over our years of knowing him, all that he said and taught and helped us understand, this is the pinnacle. It it primes up, this is the the summary, this is the, the thrust of it right here, right? John's first words to us are actually Not about us. Isn't that weird? Well, the first thing Jesus says is to love each other. Well, no, no, no. John's saying, slow down. The first thing Jesus says is actually not about you, but it's to you, right? Because our greatest need is not to hear words about us, but to hear God speak to us, right? And what's primary for John is God, God's preeminence, God's primary, right? John gives us the prominence of God's holiness in the preaching and teaching of Jesus, and this shouldn't be, again, surprising to you if you've ever read the Old Testament. God's holiness seems to be almost like the Mount Everest in the mountain range of what he is, right? Just, I mean, like I say, it just sticks out, right? Uh, the book of Leviticus mentions the word holy about 75 times. I mean, if you read it, it's just over and over. It's just a drumbeat. It's holy. It's, he's holy. He's holy, right? Holiness is to the nature to the nature of God, as heat is essential to the nature of fire. And John starts his preaching by saying, if you just look at verse 5, this is the message. This is it. If I to sum of everything Jesus said, it is this. So it's very important for John. It's also confirmed by God's enemies. If you think of the demons, whenever Jesus casts out a demon, uh, they're very, very intelligent. They know who Jesus is, right? And oftentimes they scream it. Well, one of the demons screams this in Mark chapter 1. Verse 24, the demon that Jesus casts out in terror says this, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He doesn't call him the wise one or the patient one, the loving one. Though he is those things, he calls him, you're the Holy One, right? Because it seems to be prominent. So brothers, let us repent of our low thoughts about God. Holiness doesn't just mean that God is pure, though it does mean that in a sense. But what holiness primarily means about God is that God is not like us. He's he's distinct, he's a cut above the rest. He's he's his own category, right? God is not like us, he's separate from us. He's the creator, we are a creature. There's a reason why some of the most important commandments in the Bible are always in the Old Testament, are to remember the Lord. And don't make idols, right? Well, what's God saying? Because I'm not a golden calf. Don't make him look like that, right? I'm not a bug. Don't make make that. Don't worship me that way. That's not what I'm like. God's very clear. He's God. Nothing else is like him. We can't even make it, right? There's nothing like him. So he's holy. There's none like the Lord, right? So we must hear God speak to us and God define it for us that this is what it is, that he is not like us. And for unbelievers, this should be like a radical shift, right? Culturally, we are all told that our fundamental problems are outside of us, that your worst problem is outside, that you need to dig inside yourself to figure it out, right? If all the self-help books in Barnes Noble are all about, man, if you just change this, change that, you'd be a lot better. All your problems are your coworkers, your family, your friends, your car, the people in the restaurant. Those are your problems, Right? Instead, the Bible says that he's actually not like us, and he defines for us what your problem is. Your problem actually is you, right? The Bible's very clear. It's not other people. It's us, right? I'm, I'm the problem with Cale. It's not anybody else. It's me, right? God defines for us because he's the creator. He tells us. He informs us. And left to our own fallen natures, I think none of us here would ever invent the God of the Bible because he's not like us. Second thing is look at the perfection of God's holiness. Look at verse five again. We proclaim to you that God is light. So again, this is God's holiness, right? It's very clear, God is light. Well, what is light? Well, Kale, we're not kindergarten if you know what light is, right? Well, what does light do? Well, it radiates, it shines, right? Light is pure, it reveals, it gives life. It's glorious. And if you just think simply, it's opposed to what? Darkness, right? Dark. Very simple. And what does darkness do? It conceals, it hides, it, it clouds things, right? Well, God is not those things. So to say that God is light refers to God's character, namely that God reveals himself to us, right? He, we don't go to him. He comes to us. God is truth. He doesn't cloud it. God is pure. He doesn't have mixed motives. God is glorious. God is life. God is light. He radiates in his excellence. Again, there is none like God. Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, this is what it means for God to be holy. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? So what's the question? Who's like him? And what should be the answer? Nobody. Who's like him? Again, Moses says, nobody. No one's like you, right? That's because God's holy. You may put it this way. God's holiness is his otherness. For God to be holy, it's for God to be God. It's his Godness. It's what makes God, God. That's why in the Old Testament, you guys ever read like the book of Exodus or even just like Leviticus and Numbers, how does God always appear to his people? Like fire, right? Like a burning bush or a pillar of fire. People are in fear, Right? burning sacrifice there's a a fire on sinai there's always fear and trembling crying out we we can't even look at him right because he's so otherly he's not like us that's what it means for god to be holy it's god's going public of who he is look at verse five again this is first the positive god is light and john's saying the same thing but here is a negative that god is light and in him is no darkness at all so john Doubles down. They, they don't have the ability to put italics or to underline or to bold, bold font. So they just repeat it, right? For emphasis. In him, there is no darkness at all. In the original language in the Greek, it actually it reads like this. There is not no darkness in him. So there is not no, no darkness. So there's, He's negating the negative, right? Because there's none. There's no hint of immorality or death in God. Yeah. There's no ounce of impurity or falsity. There's... No unworthy word or motive. If you, if you ever lit a match before and you hold it up, do you know what the shadow looks like? There is no shadow of a match. Did you know that? If you light, if you light a match, the flame gives off no shadow. So God is God gives off no shadow. There's no darkness. He's pure. He's holy. There's no, no darkness at all. Genesis 18:25 says, The judge of all the earth will do right. So, friends, just for a minute, just sit under that reality. God will never do you wrong. He never has, and he never will. He'll never be guilty of sin or injustice. His motives, his desires, all that he does is worthy of praise. He always does what is most praiseworthy and never does what is not. He does everything, the Bible says, for his namesake, because God is holy and he is good. The God of the universe is, Hebrews 12 says, a consuming fire. That's how holy he is. And now, maybe you don't like, okay, but why is that important? How does that matter in a church? Why does that matter? What's what's this mean? Well, if you remember Exodus chapter 32 and, and, and the golden calf, why do they do that? So Moses goes to the mountain, God's up there, and they go, it's been too long, Mo. We are tired of waiting down here. So what do they do? Make a cow, right? Because they don't think God is holy. They will make a God like God. We'll just worship that, right? Maybe maybe you've ever wondered why so-called churches function like what I've heard before called silly centers. Meaning some pastors will zip line down to the stage. They'll put on big rock concerts and give away cars. Give away cruises if you keep coming, and raffle one off. They have fog machines, or pastors will play movie clips, and we'll, we'll do a sermon about a movie today. on a Sunday morning, or they pray I heard this is in a video I heard a couple weeks ago they pray to the, quote, "queer God." They play secular music. Why do you think that is? Because they have no idea who God is. That's why that matters. That's blasphemous behavior. If God's not like, if God's not like us, we should be, whew, I am not going to cross and just jack around. This, this, it matters who he is, right? And rather, we have a lot of people who are pastors, so-called, who fleece out God to be just like us. The Bible just says he's, he's not. He's not like you. And that's actually really good news. He's not like us. It's good news to hear that. This is John's first description that holiness is essential to the nature of God. Number two, look at verse six. Holiness demands our separation to God. There's two simple things here. Starting in verse six. First, the lie. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. So like his Lord, John teaches us about vain profession, right? Jesus taught multiple times that one can profess Christ with their mouth, But not possess him by faith. You can talk all you want, but if there's no possessing Christ, it doesn't matter what you say, right? That's what John is saying here. Some can say, Lord, Lord, and what will Jesus say to them? I do not know who you are, right? John compares one's talk with one's walk, right? The Christian life is not about talking, it's about power, it's about true life. One can easily say, if you look at verse 6, that they have fellowship with God, meaning a true relationship. With the Lord and His Christ, but if God is light and one walks in darkness, what is John saying? You're just lying. You do not have fellowship. You just you don't have it, right? There is no fellowship. What fellowship does light have with darkness, or oil and water, or light and dark? There is they don't exist. They can't. They're going to rule and battle each other, right? So separation from darkness is separation from sin. Remember, darkness hides sin. It deceives. John's saying light does not do that. Light is the opposite. So there cannot be fellowship with God and friendship with darkness. Look again at verse 6. If we say these things while we walk, the Greek refers again to a lifestyle, not just like you're walking, saying... Not like you're actually walking down the side, but your walk, your, your lifestyle, your habitual direction, what you're doing. Why? Because walking is as natural as breathing, right? You just walk, you breathe. You breathe, you walk. It just, it's your natural life, right? So if in your natural direction of life you say you know God, but you walk in darkness, your natural life is walking in darkness, John's saying you have no clue who God is. You're, just, you're, you're lost. You're lying, right? Pretty strong words. Colossians 1.10 says, To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So again, a walk is your life, how you act, how you think, how you talk. right? So there are those who are Christians, who say they're Christians, John is saying, and yet their natural, habitual life is one of sin and darkness. John's saying, Their legs betray their lips. I hear what they're saying, but I just, they're lying. They're a liar, right? The Lord will not be involved with our love affair with sin. Holiness demands that we cut ties because how many masters can you serve? What did Jesus say? You cannot serve how many? Two. You you can't. You can't walk one path and walk there and say, I'm going to ride the fence and I'll just get over it. just not how it works. You're one or the other, right? This should not surprise us because ever since the, the beginning of the world, god has always been making separations between light and dark right in genesis chapter 1 verse 4 what did god say he made the light he made the what darkness separation there you go right he put a separation between water and land there's a difference between the sun and the moon There's, there's a distinction god has always been doing this so his people will always be like this right There's a good story that always starts with the words, there was a Florida man, hope you know that. Uh, There was a Florida man a couple years ago who was arrested for impersonating a police officer. What he did is he just put on a uniform, pretend to be a cop, and he'd pull people over and give them a fake ticket or something. Well, one day he pulled over an off-duty cop. Bummer. How did the cop know he was faking? He was unable to show a badge. I hear what you're saying. Do you have any proof of that? No. And he got arrested. And he obviously sent us to jail. Well, the Christian life is is similar. Your words are great. Great. Do you have a badge? Do you you have a walk you can show me? Well, no. Well, then how am I supposed to believe you're what you're saying? Right? That's what John is saying. Robert Murray McShane said this. It is the mark of a hypocrite to be a Christian everywhere but home. I want that quote to sink in. Probably the most painful thing I've ever read. It is the mark of a hypocrite to be a Christian everywhere but home. And maybe you, you, you could put it positively, right? I'm different at church. I'm different in front of other people. I'm different when I'm at seminary. You could say, uh, I'm I'm different in public, but a private man, I'm a, people know I'm a jerk. I I I, I, wait, I got two personas. I put them on when I go different places. How can you claim to know God yet you walk in fellowship with him? John's saying, you can't do that. It was a regular habit at, in Charles Spurgeon's church that if you wanted to become a member of his church, they would send one of their, so they have multiple pastors, like elders, right? They would send one of their pastors to go to your workplace and ask your coworkers about you. Yeah, we see John's gonna join. What do you know about him? it be alarming, wouldn't it? But if you're, if you're walk, master, talk, you're nothing to worry about, right? I won't ever do that to you, probably. i you to work, but I won't ask your co-workers. We visit for lunch. But if we say how, if what we, say and how we walk or divorce from each other, John is saying, you lie. That's just not true. Second thing, look at verse 6 again. Your lifestyle. We do not practice the truth. So truth loved is a truth lived, right? Your lifestyle is an evidence, is the evidence of your heart. And John is first pointing out the fruit, the symptoms that we see, right? Again, the original language talks about habitually lying. Verse 6 literally says, this, this is the understanding, we habitually lie and we con- continually do not practice the truth. So practice, you think of like a doctor or a lawyer, what do they have? It's a what? A practice. I hope, they're just, I hope they're not still practicing. Please be done practicing. Be, be, be perfect, right? But we call it a practice because it's what they just normally do, right? They normally see law cases. They normally help people who are sick or hurting, right? It's what they do. So Christians then are those who have a practice of holiness. It's their walk, right? They're not slipping and falling, but John's saying you can't joyfully cannonball into sin. That's the difference, right? If you throw a lamb and a pig in the mud, who's going to roll in the mud? Pig, every time, right? And lambs are going to try to get out, right? Pig just like it. Well, a Christian and not Christian are very similar. Throw them both in sin. The Christian, yeah, he's going to say it's going to be slow, but he's going he's going to get out. The pig's going to say, "Welcome home. Where's the slop?" Right? That's the difference. The Bible is crystal clear. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. There are no halflings. There's no mixed breeds, right? There's no almost Christians. You're a Christian or you're not. It's commonplace then to hear these things and then to think. That, so let me give you a quick example. Anytime I've talked to somebody um, on, on the street, in the gym, or whatever, about evangelism, about the gospel, and I tell them, you're not good, you need Christ, you're sinful, repent, be the gospel, you'll be saved. Cool. then I say, what do you think you're going to do with the the information? If I was a betting person, I would be loaded. Because here's what they say every single time. I'm going to try harder to not be bad. That is not what we just talked about. Right? Is that, is that, is just, I want a, a congregational answer here. Is the gospel try harder? No, you try harder, you just keep getting worse, right? Is the gospel just be better? No, that's law. That's not good news. Just try harder. Thanks for that. That's not the gospel. Right? The gospel is good news, right? So it's common to hear these things, to hear that, oh, if I'm walking in darkness, well, then if, I'm a, then if I walk in the light, I'll be a Christian. That's not what John is saying. He's saying right practices are what you are. Right? If you're doing those things, it's because you are right with God, right? So doing good things doesn't cleanse your lot, right? Romans 3 verse 20 says this. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. So let's say from now on, starting today, March 19th, 2023, you don't sin ever again. Not one time. you be eight years old or 80. Will God be pleased with your life apart from Christ? None for a second. It's not the gospel, right? That's, that's, that's just that's not right. Because you're sinful. So Christianity teaches then that true religion is not a matter of the hands. It's not what you do, it's a matter of the heart primarily. Yes, your hands are important, but it's the heart, right? What did Jesus say? Don't just cleanse the outside the club, the cup, what needs to be cleaned first. The inside, that's what your heart matters, right? The fundamental problem is not what you do, though that's true, but it's, it's your heart, it's you, it's your nature, it's your character. One man wrote a sermon, named Matthew Me, the sermon's called An Almost Christian. I want you to hear these words. They're very startling. A man may be changed morally and yet not spiritually. He yet may be more than almost a Christian. Sin may be left and yet be loved, and yet loving sin shows he is but almost a Christian. This man may obey the commands of God and yet not love God. And yet be but almost a Christian. Do you hear that? You could be really close, but not a Christian. So the gospel is not dropping bad habits and doing good things. Because any AA meeting could teach you that. I've not gone to AA. I hope I never have to. But they could teach you how to stop doing bad things. Great. That's not Christianity. It's just not. That's not the gospel, is it? Your teacher at school can make you stop cheating on tests, right? Sure. That's not Christianity. God does not just make bad people good. He does something better. He makes dead people live. That's the difference. He makes you a new person, right? So you want to do those things. God is holy and righteous. We have sinned against him. So God sends his son, fully God, fully man, to To live a perfect life for you, the life that you should be living, but Jesus lived for you. That's the gospel. He never sinned. He always obeyed. Because God, if you just read verse six again, your walk, what you say, what you do, what you practice. Jesus did all of those things. He always walked perfectly. He always spoke perfectly. He always practiced perfectly. Everything he did was perfect all the time. Thought, motive, deed, work, action. And so he suffered on the cross for sins that aren't his, right? My sins transferred to him. His credit score transferred to me. The Bible says if I turn from my sins and put my trust in Christ, that perfect righteousness is slapped on me by faith, right? By faith alone, it gets credited to my account. Maybe, again, you need to hear that this morning, that, man, I feel like I've just let God down. You probably have. <laughs> Good morning. But God is always pleased with you in Christ. There is not a day where he's frowning at you. Do you understand that? That will rock your world if you can grasp that. In Christ, he's never saying, try, impress me. He's never saying those things. He's impressed with Jesus, Credit to you. That's really good news. Jesus loves holiness so much that he bought it for you. His life is pleasing to God, so it's counted to you. So your life is hidden with Christ in God. And now you have a new nature. Now you want to obey, right? It's like eating ice cream. I would love to eat ice cream all day. Just be up front with you. Now now, now that God commands you, obey. Okay, I would love to. It's hard, but I would love to. That's the Christian life. That's the difference, right? You want to walk that way. You want to obey. So if you've not done that, today's the day to repent and trust Christ. That doesn't describe you. This would be a day to repent. You know what? I am not that thing. I have two walks. I have a walk and a talk. They don't line up. Repent today and come to Christ and believe. The life pleasing to God was lived in Christ and could be yours by faith alone. Number three and lastly, holiness is necessary for fellowship with God. Look at number seven or verse seven, sorry. Two things here. First, a possession of holiness. Look at verse seven. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Well, that's good. I would love fellowship with God, wouldn't you? You get it. You got it. Now, again, it's critical that we get this again. I, I, I just said this, but re- look at your Bible and think. This is, we've got to make sure we're reading this rightly, okay? John is describing a life that is united to God, not how to have it. So remember what he's saying. He's not saying if you walk morally, you have fellowship with God. That's not what he's saying, right? Because in Christ, you have fellowship with God, right? So Christians are people who who are doing these things. Do 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 you hear the difference there? It's crucial we get that, right? Walking obedient doesn't make you holy with God. Jesus makes you that, therefore you walk in obedience. Right? We, we, we on board? We sailing together? Good. All right. Walking in the light, it's a consequence of salvation, not the cause, right? Don't reverse it. Or just like the Israelites, I think I've said this example about a thousand times, <coughs> when God gave the Ten Commandments, when did he give them? Before they're rescued or after they're rescued? Isn't he the answer? After, right? He didn't say, Ten Commandments, obey, they'll get you out. He said, no, no, no. I'll get you out, now you obey. That's a Christian life, right? He gets you out, then you obey, right? Same thing with John here. So Christians then are a holy people. This is, again, this is good news, right? I once heard someone say that the first thing that we impart to our children is a sinful nature. First thing they get, we love you, sin, right? First thing we give them. The first thing God gives to his children, it's a holy nature you're you you get it it's given to you you're a holy like he is instantly holy because of christ and then you grow in it it's been secured by christ and with this you have fellowship with god you actually have fellowship with god and then god declares you holy he gives you his holy spirit to read from his holy word so you'll be a holy people for his holy works. I mean, on, just, this is the Christian life. It's very simple. Do you remember Enoch in the book of Genesis? You guys remember that guy? He's pretty cool. He walked with the Lord for, I don't know how long, and all of a sudden just vanished, right? He was so close to the Lord, God just said, yeah, it's time to go. Wouldn't you like that? Be so wrapped up with the Lord, it's like, man, where's Caleb even at? Where's this guy even at? He's just always, he's always, whole, he's nothing like us. He's just always with the Lord. Where's he even been? I would love to be Enoch'd. Would you? Just so close to the Lord. Just, man, he's just with him all, all the time. That's what I want. Hebrews 11 says it was because of the faith, verse 5, that he did not see death. So, friends, is that your desire to know Christ, to have him so close? Whatever impedes your walk with Christ today, the Bible would say, just cast it. Ditch it. Throw it away, right? You fellowship with God, which, not, which is something no angel even has. Second thing, a progression in holiness. Look at verse seven again, the second half. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So though we have fellowship with Christ, if you're anything like a person with, with a pulse, you still fight your sin. Right? Every day. You have peace with God and then war with your sin. Right? You're, just a, you're a walking battlefield. You at peace every day with the Lord. But, man, your sin just... Right? Just gnaws at you. You're crucified. Your flesh is crucified with Christ, but it's slowly dying. Right? The old Adam, the old man, just does not leave you alone, does he? And John tells us that because of our fellowship with Christ... The blood of Christ also cleanses us from all sin. So we have full fellowship with God, and yet we need to be cleansed daily. Do you remember in John 13, when Jesus washes the, washes the disciples' feet? Remember what happens? What what, what, what does Peter say? Ah, pass. I'm good, Lord. And Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash you, you can't have any part with me. Then what does Peter say? Then start with my head, Lord. Wash me all the way down. Peter, back the truck up here. Calm down. But what Jesus says to Peter and John 13 is, if I don't wash you, you have no fellowship with me. And then he says that your feet need to be washed daily. It's just the idea that in Christ, you are fully cleansed. All your sin is removed. But yet your feet need to be washed. You need to be growing in holiness every day. You need the blood of Christ to cleanse you afresh every day. Lord, I blew it today at work. Lord, I said something dumb. I argued with my wife again. Angry at my kids. I'm I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's the regular Christian life, right? That's just what we do. The closer you are with Christ, the more sin you actually see. And for the Christian, Christians are not, Christians are still sinners, right? They're not sinless, but they will sin less. That's the point. Uh, Someone once said, "Sin is still present, but sin is not the president." Do you hear the difference there? Right? That's the Christian life. There's a friend of D.L. Moody, the evangelist, uh, who was once visiting a Scottish home on a pastoral visit. And on his way home, he noticed that it was wash day because all of the lady's white sheets were hanging out on the clothesline outside. And during his visit, it began to snow. And as he left, he noticed now that her white sheets did not look so white with the snow in the background. This is what that lady said. She said to F.B. Meyer, what can stand against God Almighty's white? So, friends, even our, man, I got, I'm a pretty holy Christian. The more you've grown in Christ, don't you realize, man, I'm just nowhere close where I want to be. Do you feel that way? That's a good feeling. That means you understand, I am nowhere close where I want to be. Can I just tell you, that's where I feel a lot. Why do I still wrestle with this thing? Why can't I do this better? Why am I still doing that? God is holy. We are not. But this should cause you to arrive at Christ with, Lord, give me more grace. I'm, I'm thirsty. Give me more, please. It's a mark of a mature Christian or maturing Christian to realize that I've not arrived, right? I'm nowhere close to arriving, right? That's a sure sign that God is growing you, right? Lord, help me. I'm just weak. And I've, on Wednesday nights, when we pray, you guys say that, Lord, I wrestle with this. I think last Wednesday night we read from Psalm 119. And Joe just mentioned every single verse just says, teach me, lead me, give me, help me, lead me, teach me, help me. It's like, yeah, that's the Christian life, isn't it, Joe? Every single day. By the blood of Christ, we are cleansed every day. We're growing growing closer. So the encouragement then is to keep walking, right? To keep walking. Brothers, I want to give you one final exhortation here as we close. How can you grow in holiness? What's a really simple way? Okay, Cale, you sold me. God's holy. I'm not. Jesus makes me holy. How do I do it? Because I'm not where I want to be at. How do I do that? Psalm 119, again, verses 1 and 2 says this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with their whole heart. Do you know what the word blessed means, friends? Happy. So obedience and happiness are not divorce. They're, they're, married, they're married together. They're partners. They're lovers, right? So I want to give you one way to, to do that. It's very simple. And it's what this book is called, Fearing the Lord. It's very simple. How do you do that? Well, again, Psalm 112 verse 1 says this, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. So fearing God increases your joy. Cool that works, isn't it? Do you remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? Do you remember what she tried to do? Joseph, come to bed with me, right? And what does Joseph say? He runs so fast his shirt comes off, right? He just take the shirt, right? He runs away, right? And what did he say? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It's what drove Joseph to holiness and happiness was fearing God. How can I sin against God? I can't do that. It's not worth it, right? I don't care who you are. It's not worth it, right? And we grow simply in the fear of the Lord by being aware of God's omnipresence. Every day, Jude asks me a question, something like this. Daddy, is God bigger than this backhoe? Is he stronger than a building? And yesterday he asked me, is Jesus with us all the time? You know I said? Yeah. He's always with you. If you're a Christian, he's with you all the time. In a good way, right? Well, that's the simple answer. How do you grow in holiness? Well, God's with you everywhere you go. Why would you want to sin against him? He's right in front of you, right behind you, right he's on top of you. He's all around you, right? That's how you grow in it. Knowing that every day is a day to honor the Lord, to to please him, to strive to make him smile, though he already smiled because of Christ. Holiness demands, God demands your holiness. I pray that you would grow in holiness more this week as you fear him. Let's pray.